everybody. Welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I am the husband of the duo, JR. Also known as Jay. Or Sir, depending <laughs> on uh, who's addressing me. Your Highness. I think my phone, I changed Siri to address me by Your Highness. Really? One of them, yeah. That's weird. And I'm Molly. I'm the wife. <laughs> and I'm just Molly. Or Mommy, 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 Mommy. Yeah, that one too. Anyway, this is our podcast. If this is your first time joining us, thank you for checking us out. We um, we simply get on uh, roughly once a week and just talk about whatever we talk about. No planning, no forewarning, just conversation. So um, it typically runs the gamut of family, our faith, good food, friends, Sometimes a favorite cocktail, other times politics, sometimes church. We talk about everything. Travel, yeah. vacations, mm-hmm. fights. It starts with F. <laughs> because we are Friesens. We have to stick with the Fs. We could do sex, but we can't say that word on the show. I'd have to mark it as explicit. <laughs> say fornicating, but that's not, oh, that's no. not what we do. No, we don't <laughs> We're <fornicate>. married. <laughs> We do oh, foreplay. My goodness, yes, <laughs> lots of foreplay. Please, in the comments, send us your favorite foreplay tips. Um, or don't. <laughs> nobody wants to read that. Um, Actually, people probably people do. People probably do. Yeah, I think I think it. our highest rated, or I think our highest listened to. So I posted our shows. I post our shows on YouTube now. The audio with a graphic, mm-hmm. and because it's really good for search rankings and stuff. By day two of having, I think it was episode five, was simply titled, Mmm, Sex. We had like 90 views. <laughs> Just the, the sex episode. The world is a terrible place, you guys. It, it is, is a, a terrible horrible place. place. So speaking of sex on YouTube. <laughs> I like where this is going. Um, no, I, I watched, I came across this gal, the one that you walked by and you were like, oh, I don't like how she talks. Oh Did no! It notice? wasn't her talking; it was her face. She yeah, she wore a lot of loud makeup. She had a lot of loud makeup. She obviously, I and mean, she has like two million followers on her YouTube channel. Okay, so loud makeup works. Yeah, I was like, I was watching her, thinking, I don't think I like. I used to have a seminary professor who said was told he had a face for radio, <laughs> and I. That was a common joke. I was um I was watching her and all her makeup, and I was thinking I. I guess I have a face for radio too because I don't think I could ever do that much makeup for just being online two million followers is she a YouTube influencer she must be um actually let me take that back I didn't notice how many followers she had but the particular video I was watching had over two million views the video was essentially her not consoling that's the, not the right word. Encouraging somebody who had written in being told that sex on her wedding night, if she was a virgin, was going to be awkward and terrible because all of her friends' first times, not married, had been awkward and terrible. So she needed to get it out of the the awkward and terrible out of the way 
in order to be able to enjoy her wedding night. I and didn't, so this gal I didn't was, listen. I didn't listen to the video, but actually, I had I had a I had a thought that, was, along those lines. When it I saw was that. a longer video than I would share with people because she just did a she did a lot of talking. I felt like she could have condensed her message into five minutes instead of ten. Like as you know, I don't really care. I would rather read something than watch a video because mm-hmm. I can skim it. Although, do you listen to podcasts at one and a half times? No. I know a lot of people do. You can do audiobooks at one and a half. People who do two times podcasts at one and a half. So we're going to talk really, really fast from now on. We're just going to get more information, and it. it's going to sound like we're talking at one and a half times. But in actuality, we're just saying twi- one and a half the times things in the same amount of time. No, um, I just had <laughs> never really thought of that. But I have a lot. Of, it turns out I have a lot yeah. of friends who do the one and a half times thing. Do you think um, I sound good? Should I pitch us down if they're listening to us at one and a half times? I've speed never so even. I've sound, never even tried us. We can sound. You know me. It's a I little bit choppy. I don't re-listen to us at all. Yeah, I know. Let alone at one and a half speed. So I don't know what she said in her video, but I can summarize that whole conversation. Look, if you if you're a virgin on your wedding night. And this is your wedding. You have a lot of history established with this person. So it shouldn't be awkward and terrible. It should be funny, ridiculous, and exploratory and enjoyable. Because you, with somebody you trust, somebody you care about, and somebody you love. That presumably, we would hope, loves you back. There, I'm done. I don't need... That's what she, she, her words that she used were free and safe. There you go. And, but see, I... Should we tell them what happened on ours? No, we shouldn't, but I... (laughs) Pizza guy showed up right in the middle. It's terrible. What? I'm kidding. Weird. Um, No, I I would add to that, though. I did not watch her her whole video, and it seemed like she maybe had a follow-up video. But these are not the sorts of videos that you watch when your kids are running around. They're the sort of videos you squeeze in when, after the kids have gone to bed. Well, you're still trying to clean up and do the dishes and do your exercises and whatnot. Um, so anyway, I would add to all of that, like, yes, it is awkward. You should probably study up on mechanics at least a little bit if you don't know what you're doing, because that helps. Because mm-hmm. there is some mechanics that need to be learned. And you're kicking off a lifelong, a rest of your life journey that gets better and better. So you right. don't have to be perfect on your wedding night and you don't like set your expectations appropriately that you know well at least I'm trying to think of like, she's got two million views and she's actually promoting some good information oh she's oh I that's think, super encouraging I, I think she's catholic guys, good and she's got a catholic world. you know so she's got a huge catholic following at least was my impression of some of her conversation but yeah so, so she has, so she definitely knows how to have the babies <laughs> yeah um, anyway, Sorry. can we make Catholic jokes on our show? We can make Who Catholic jokes. Offend? I don't know. I see. Here's the thing. <clears throat> Most Catholics are used to being vilified. So if you're lightheartedly and in love joking with them, there's, they're going to think it's funny. It, oh, good. In my opinion. The one Catholic I ran into did not find my five solas of the Reformation tattoo very funny. Well, <clears throat> I won't mention his name because he's really, really prominent in the world. Well, that's he saw it. He saw it. He's like, is that is that the five souls of Reformation? I was like, yeah. He's gonna oh, <laughs> kind of did one of those eye roll oh sort of faces. Well, <laughs> the Catholics eye roll with would probably think it's funny. No, he's in your circle. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, well. um, 
Oh. I won't I won't mention names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there are some just, you know, people by personality. Yeah, no, it's true. Some it's have fine. better sense of his humor than I, others. I I probably would have in retrospect had it even occurred to me that he it was would be Catholic offensive. that he might be offended by it. I wouldn't have I would have kept my shirt on. Kept your shirt on. We were at the pool. Oh. I see. We we're all standing around with our shirts off. Oh. Um, well... People are probably offended with my shirt off anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh um, my goodness, where does the show go? Hey, have you followed any of the, um, have you looked at any of the Instagram influencers? Like, the major... There's a couple of them out there, and it's it's weird because influencer. like the guys with like six million views, and they're just I've never heard of these people. They all kind of hang out in the circles. Occasionally, they'll show up on like the Tonight Show, but they're all kind of this, in the same circle, like these no names who've got no other anything to their names except massive Instagram followings. No, so random. I was just I had, something came through my feed. No, is that where you were watching? Flush. Yeah, while I was spending kiss bed. And there was a guy who was kind of funny. I'm like, he's kind of a comedian. But this, there's another major influencer. I can't remember his name. He did show up on Jay Leno a bunch, and he's in like every photo. And then there's this girl who shows up in their in each other's photos, and apparently she's dating the one guy. And Paris Hilton is like commenting, "Oh, ha 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 ha, say hi to him for me." You know, blah blah. Oh my blah, gosh, blah. Paris! I'm Hilton, like, you guys, I, can't, I haven't heard of in a long time. I can't handle all of the social. This is like a whole weird sub community of, like, they're all influencers together. They must like feed off of each other or something. It's really weird. I'm sure they feed off of each it's other. Strange. They all live in L.A. and drive Lamborghinis, and I don't know what they do. Take sponsorships from Jack in the Box. This is no, super that's random. Really weird. It's just weird. I'm really random sidetracks. I just happened tonight. Really. Hmm. You know, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a, becoming more of a luddite with the social medias. So, um, here's like, the thing: this is a like, weird world. I, I speaking of being a luddite with the social medias, I feel like we need to do like the wisest serpents, innocent as doves thing, with social media, especially as our kids are coming up. I saw <clears throat> somebody posted something on their Instagram the other day that essentially said all of you people who are so outraged about the Netflix show Cuties which I'm sure even though you you follow this for sure right no it's, you don't know anything about every, Cuties yes it's hit every every news feed okay but she's but the point was you're all outraged about this do you know what's on your kids' TikTok <laughs> do you know what on your kids' Instagram on exactly kids like the amount kids... of pornography yeah. that's shared of pictures of each other or pictures of other kids that they know on Snapchat, Instagram, and TikTok is through the roof. And so, I mean, the more, like, I'm, I'm just trying to follow, I watched this documentary the other day, I think I might have shared it on Facebook. Um, it was done by the company Bark, which is mm-hmm. a, like, they develop software to child safety yeah child safety stuff so they so what's the word i'm looking for they they develop algorithms to detect certain things so they had this um this gal who looked like she was at least part asian um what does race have to do with it they digitally well she because she could look younger than she is so she's 37 
And they digitally manipulated pictures of her the first round to look like she was 15. And they just posted a public profile on Instagram. And they, they created this entire back thing for her. Like, so they created multiple accounts. So it, like, it very much looked like she was a real person. Um, they created all sorts of fake friends for her, again, to look like she was a real person. Um, and then they just sat, they just went live and sat there and waited for responses, random responses that they started getting from people. And within five minutes, they had solicitations for naked pictures of her. Of literally just a picture who looks like a wholesome girl. There's nothing scandalous about any of her pictures that they've done. Um, So then they they escalate it and they make it look like she's they post it as her as an 11 year old so it's like pictures of her with like teddy bears right even more explicit and more solicitations to the 11 year old than to the 15 year old version of her but she they actually had they then they actually did makeup and body language and hair and she met up with people that were soliciting make like meeting her like in hotel lobbies they were arrested as they were like trying to get her to go up um that's it and she and at that point she was posing as a 15 year old well well her point was that's a a horrible place i've been saying this for years social media it is the internet is a horrible place here's the thing though here's the thing at least our girls if not our son are all gonna want their own social media accounts Mm -mm, not happening yeah because as soon as they get out of our house, what are they going to do? They're going to have they're going to go crazy. They're going to have Ooh. Can I get really really mean and nasty with the guys who show up on these Facebook pages? No. The thing is is we while they're under our roof, we train them while they're really young in what truth, goodness and beauty is. Oh, I'm getting angry just thinking about we it. We train them in what a good by by setting the example of our relationship with each other and of your relationship with them as girls and with Titus, my relationship with him, um, you training him, us verbally correcting, us modeling. Mm -hmm. And then as they start getting older, we let them participate in our social media. And then we let them have their own social media, but we have full access to it. And as long as they're under our roof, we have full access to everything they do. But we let them within the safety of our watchful eye, which is both protective and training, we give them experience so they're equipped when we set them loose to go out. Come on, you grew up homeschooled. You know what happens to totally sheltered homeschooled kids when they get set loose. You are misinterpreting my. You are misinterpreting my face. And they have no clue. You're misinterpreting what's on my face. I am totally agreeing with that. My blood pressure is rising thinking about creepy old men. Yeah. You know, making lewd comments to my daughter. I'll be like, yeah, tell them you're gonna meet up, and then I'll 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 meet them with the 45 in my hand. It'll be awesome. You will not. Yes, I will. You will There's certain send things your, I'll go to jail send... for. Um, yeah, I don't have social media accounts, though. Like, I mean, I have an Instagram that I don't ever use. I know, but I've there's got... an entire there's an entire industry, in a good way, being built around helping us to protect our kids. Yes. And we need to stay abreast of that industry. Yeah. 
And it's honestly not that hard. Because of social media, you can follow Protect Young Eyes. You can follow Bark. You can follow these organizations that are making a career out of doing, out of, out of, I mean, Protect Young Eyes has a page on their website of just evaluating all technology and evaluating apps. So what they do is they test apps for safety. They test apps for loopholes. They, you know, they evaluate things with, you know, if your kid wants to be on X, Y, or Z, we would encourage you to watch out for this, this, and this. No, I totally agree with you. Protecting eyes is great. My sister, I think, uses Bark. Um, you know, because of social media, you can follow Too Busy to Flush. Well, yeah, social media can be a good thing. <laughs> I hate social media. You've been having some adventures on social media recently. <laughs> I have. Is it going well? Do you have to, are you going to make me talk no, about it? You don't have to talk about it. You have no. a rant you want to go on that's probably loosely related, but um, yeah, it is loosely related. Um, well, at least give them yeah. a context no, of I've what been, you've been doing, and yeah, then you can I've move just, into your rant. I've been posting more political things on Facebook recently because, in my particular political persuasion, I feel like we are underrepresented. Um, even if you know, even if you assume that there's a 50-50 red-blue split on Facebook, um, knowing Facebook's algorithm, I've seen, I've seen, like, New York Times, I think it was New York Times, used to have a page where you could see, like, this, people input the same things, but because of what you've liked, what you've commented on, who your friends are, the algorithm will show you on, like, a social event or a current event entirely different news things. Um, so even taking into account what I have liked and followed and less in terms of my friends, unless it's a news outlet that I have specifically followed, I would say that 90% of posts about current events skew left. So, I mean, unless you live in Iraq, you recognize that our media skews left, our major media in the United States skews left. Like I saw, saw a headline difference today when Scalia died. I can't remember it was a Washington Post or something. Says something about like, like how sad his legacy was or something kind of disparaging to this upstanding long-term Supreme Court justice. And then of course it's this gushing piece about Ruth Bader Ginsburg and what a loss it is. And it's that like the event was the same. A Supreme Court justice died, and the. Um, the reaction by a major news outlet was totally different. So anyway, taking all of that into account and realizing also that conservatives self-censor, which means that either out of fear of offending people or bigger, out of fear of losing a job, um, and I've read statistics that uh, conservatives in academia genuinely fear for their jobs if they speak out in a conservative way. And they actually, like, there are people who still want to have a voice on Twitter and they do it under a pseudonym because if they're found out, they actually believe that their livelihood will be threatened. And it's not just in academia, but that's the studies that I've read. So anyway, recognizing all of that um, and having some concerns and passions and also a personality that likes to research in order to really understand things. Um, I've started 
picking particular topics and researching in order to understand and then sharing about them on Facebook. And um, sometimes I get some pushback. Today was one of those days and it was not, you know, I get, sometimes I get pushback from people who give me facts and understand that we're friends who are different politically. And sometimes I get pushback from people who tell me I live in a toxic bubble. <laughs> and, um, you know, I mean, the funny thing was I, I wasn't offended. I thought it was really funny and bizarre because it's somebody that I literally haven't even gotten congratulations on and having children for at least three of the four, past four kids, you know? So it's like, well, that was out of the blue and random. So I just responded, how are you doing? Long time no here. You know, you you obviously feel passionately about this. And if I have the time, I can engage with your passionate response. But I'm not making any promises. And then I actually did later on. But it was interesting that you don't know this story. I have gotten more than a handful. Not a ton. But more than a handful of private messages today um, commenting on kind of the irony of being told that I'm toxic in a really angry way. Um, but also <laughs> the fact that people people are watching this conversation and they want to see how I respond. And they like the fact that I respond in a measured and kind and reasoned way. And I mean, the nice thing about a Facebook conversation is I don't have to respond right away, right? Like I can be... I wasn't, but I could have been really angry and I could have responded online in a very different way than I actually felt, which is actually a little bit how I did because I was I was feeling more snarky than I typed. Um, but um, but I so with my friend Addie, we had a text conversation going on the side it, during all of this. And she was like, there's a lot of people watching. I mean, she tries to have conversations like this, too. And she's like, there's a lot of people who, first of all, silently agree with you and are learning f- along with you about these topics, but are also learning how to have these conversations with people they disagree with, which um, I've never really seen myself as a thought leader in gracious conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a learning process for me that I think I've been learning through a lot of my work with Canavox, mm. where... The more the more I understand a topic, the less fearful and defensive I have to be, yeah. because I'm confident that my position is rooted a in truth, and b in love, and that those go together. And so when people attack me, they're doing it out of fear, they're doing it out of anger, they're doing it out of insecurity, possibly, whatever their motive is. It doesn't change the fact that I'm really confident in my first of all my identity in Christ that whatever you say about me doesn't change who I am. Secondly, I'm confident in the study and the research that I've done because I think that I have good source for my facts and I think that I have a good framework for interpreting those facts. And thirdly, and this is a huge challenge for conservatives, is we're always told about how hateful we're being. I mean, if it's because we don't want to help the poor in the particular way that the other side thinks that we should help the poor, if it's because we don't want to affirm a relationship in a particular way or an, a sense of identity, like a transgender, in a particular way that the other side wants to. 
we're constantly being told that's because you're afraid of people who are different from you and you hate people who are different from you. And you're living in the past and you need to get out of the past and get over yourself. And now with racism, it's you're afraid of losing power. I'm not afraid of losing power. I just honestly don't think that burning Portland to the ground is going to help the black people in Portland. (laughs) And so here's, I mean, so, so in this Facebook response, now we're getting political. Hi, people who don't log on here for the politics. I mean, part of my thing is, so as, um, I mean, so I responded to him, like I watched this video and it was a very heartfelt, informative video um, that I normally would not take the time to watch something that long that I didn't necessarily agree with, but in good faith and knowing that I have all these people watching me, I watched it. And one of my responses is she is, was, she doesn't seem to co- too concerned about the poorest in her communities who are the most disenfranchised. And as a mom who, like, I wasn't, before I had kids, I wasn't really aware of how lotion affected my body and affected my kids. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, the sense in your lotion could affect, you know, could turn into estrogen in your son, in your developing son's body and could affect him as a, you know, literally could affect him in utero for the rest of his life because you wanted to use Bath and Body Works scented lotion, you know, while you're pregnant. Um, You know, so I've just become much more conscious for myself as well as for our kids of what we put on our bodies, what we put in our bodies. And so when I hear... Things about food deserts, which a food desert is generally an inner city place where you don't have access to real food. And by real food, I mean ingredients that you can cook into a meal. So the convenience store is where single moms who rely on public transportation and who have kids and have limited time because they're working multiple jobs just to stay afloat, you send your kids to the convenience store with a couple bucks and that's their meal. So their best meal of the day is if they're getting a school meal. Um, and otherwise, they're eating literally eating convenience store food. So there are nonprofits that are trying to start gardens. There are nonprofits that drive buses through town handing out vegetables and healthy food. There's all sorts of nonprofits that I, whenever I see something like this, um, I always watch the little, you know, YouTube documentary or Facebook documentary that's solving a, a food desert crisis because as a mom, that's a really high value to me. So I'm seeing this gal with a really heartfelt um, defense of the rioting and the destruction that's going on, um, wrecking, like, probably even these convenience stores. And so now you have a mom who works all the time and can't even hand a couple bucks to her kids to send them down the street to get food because that place down the street doesn't exist anymore. And to me, that's a real problem. And, you know, it doesn't affect, it doesn't impact the systemic issues that the good protesters are protesting. And actually, after I clicked post, I had a a lot more thoughts on that that I was like, you know, this could actually be a really interesting conversation. I don't think, given this particular person, that it would be a fruitful conversation with them. But I might actually go down a rabbit trail, seeing if there are people who who have had some of these, not just dissecting critical, you know, race theory issues and what, 
whatnot, which I have a ton of those bookmarked and saved to listen to too. Because again, I don't want to instinctively react against something. I want to be able to process and understand it. And if I come across something that's particularly good and helpful, I want to be able to pass it on to people who also, if they don't want to be, should be, but I think a lot of people want to be intelligently and graciously at least mentally engaging, if not engaging with the world around them verbally on some of these issues. I appreciate that you want to do that. I know. I am so burned out from dead reckoning. I just have no interest in playing in any sort of public sphere space again. Like at least on that level or that, that particular genre. Like it's just, I don't know if I'm burned out. I'm over it, but I think you know, you have a reason I never had, I think, in some capacities. You, I felt like it was futility. Because not only, you know, we had, yes, we had a fan base. Um, we had fans that appreciated what we said. But we were speaking to our own people. I don't think we were necessarily giving them anything new. Just a different version of the same thing. And all the other organizations out there that we wanted to partner with said, no, you can't partner with us because we fought for this space, we fought for this money, and we're not going to share. Yeah. Nobody was going to share. Oh, it was terrible. The Federalist folks, the National Review folks, all of them, everyone was so friggin' like... They're focused on building their they brand. Are, yeah, they are so territorial. You do not step on toes. They do not play, play well together. Uh-uh. So I was over it. I just burned out. And everybody's chasing the same money. Mm-hmm. You know, there's only yeah, there's it's a, a small handful pool. of yeah, there's a handful of conservatives and evangelicals and whomever is no, but I think I mean I realize that you're burned out. Sorry, and you have to be <clears throat> negative, Nelly. No, I don't have to be negative, Nelly. No, I but like I, that you're but doing I do... this. I just I'm afraid it's going to crush your soul like it crushed mine and turn turn you into. So here's the thing, though. You just said like you had old your hermit, like me. Yeah, wait. How old were you when you had started your midlife crisis? Is it my turn yet? I was 39. Okay, so it could be my turn any minute now. Yeah. This will be fun. Women don't. Do women really? This might be your midlife crisis. You might. You might. You might switch focuses and careers and be like a super famous public speaker. No, this show is really just a vehicle for Molly. Right. No, I mean my goal in doing that is I'm not trying to convert anybody. You don't. Facebook doesn't change minds. I mean, maybe it does a couple. Never in my experience. My no. goal is there are a lot of people in my circles who were like, am I crazy? Like, the world around me, I mean, the left likes to talk about gaslighting. We, you know, my Facebook experience is gaslighting 100% all the time. I spend so much time trying to convince myself that I'm not crazy for being a conservative Christian who holds a biblical worldview. Pause. The heck is gaslighting? Okay, so gaslighting is essentially <laughs> convincing someone that whatever they th- they think they have experienced is not actually true. So it's used a lot these days. Um, People actually okay. spend their time on that. Oh, well, okay, so I'll give you three examples of how it's used these days. One place it's used is... Um, an abusive husband will um, manipulate his wife to be like, I, I wasn't being mean to you. You just imagined that. Um, and she'll be like, man, it sure seemed like he was being mean to me. But 
you know, he says he loves me. So I guess, you know, he just did it because he loves me. Um, and then eventually, I mean, like extreme, an extreme case would be a husband actually like eventually being able to manipulate his wife into believing that things that happened did not happen or things that did happen did not happen. So I'm trying to think, was that a book I read? How can somebody be so deceitful? Um, well, no, like there's deliberately deceitful. I'm trying no. to remember. No, there was a book I just read or something. It was, it was, I read it in like a day at the cabin. I feel like I picked up a book and this you gal, read so many books in a day. I can't. Well, up. no. So, so it was basically this. Yes. That's what it was. It was the, 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 girl on the train or something oh yeah anyway so she she was married to a gaslighter who literally would slip things into her drinks at parties that they would go to and would bring her home and the next day would say you yelled at my boss's wife and embarrassed me in front of them and she'd be like i i i you know and he's like you know, um, is it a novel or, or a true story? it's a novel? Okay. Um, and if you look at reviews on Amazon, people either absolutely love it or they hate it, but I'm using this as an example. Okay. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, so, so she, she literally, he literally drove her crazy and she's now in the book, you know, that it's written like jumping all over time frames. but in the book, she's overweight. She's a drunk. I mean, she's addicted. I mean, she drinks all day long. Why would and, somebody do that though? Um, it's he's a mental case. He's a narcissist. How do you keep? How it's do a you control keep, thing. It's a control how do you and keep power your thing. Kids away from people like that. I don't know. It's a control and power thing. But anyway, so so on a smaller scale, I have read firsthand accounts from women whose husbands keep them mm-hmm. coming back for more by gaslighting them. So that would be one yeah. example. Another example would be um, a lot of um, a lot of people. How do I say this in a politically correct? I mean, not in politi- in a non-offensive Since way. Since when have we been? Non-offensive? Well, no, I mean, so so a lot of people in in the racist education world today will say that your experiences um, as a person of color um, have been invalidated by the white majority who gaslight you and saying what your experience is not actually a racist experience. And so yeah, that makes sense. the 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 powerful majority has taken the liberty of defining what a racist experience is or is not, which and is so, wrong. And so as, now as people of color are gaining a voice in the anti-racism movement, they're calling out the white majority as saying that 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 certain things are not racist and they're saying that that's gaslighting. And then, of course, um, people you know, who people not... well so the third example would be people who hate Trump would say that he gaslights all the time that he just blasts through in saying like you know your interpretation of what I said right. is not correct and they're like that's gaslighting because we heard what you said and but the um, challenge the challenge with all of that in every circumstance because it is an individual experience is you know it, it, how do I say this? So, for example, right? So, I had one of my good friends in college, uh, my junior year, came out as he told me he was gay, and he was not a he was not a, a student at the time, but he was a very dear friend. We hung out all the time. Uh, I worked with him, one of my coworkers, and that didn't. I was like, I told him, I was like, that 
doesn't change our relationship at all. You know, continue praying for you. And, you know, and he wasn't practicing. He didn't believe it was, it was biblical and where he wanted to go. Um, and, you know, was, everything continued as normal. Two years after I graduated, I received a random nine-page love letter from him. And it essentially reinterpreted everything that we did. And his experience suddenly went from platonic male friendship to, you know, this was because you had a romantic interest in me. Like, I thought you loved me and all this other stuff. And it's like, what the hell are you talking about, dude? You know, and it was, so that's the challenge, though, is like, you know, and I'm not saying this to invalidate every every black person in America, because that's not where I'm going. Um, my <laughs> point is, my the the challenge is like two people doesn't matter what color it is, two people because they're different people can go to the same event and walk away with two different things. Look at every marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I could go to a party, and or a dinner, and something will happen, an interaction will happen somewhere, whatever. And it's happened before. Like we walk away and go, well, I really felt like they were kind of cranky about that. And I'm like, what? No. Are you kidding? No, they didn't seem that way at all. Like mm-hmm. your experience or, is different from mine. Or in, event. A, in our own conversation, you know, oh, like, yeah. you know, one of us can be fighting with the other and the other doesn't have a clue that the other one's mad at us. Yeah. Or the conversation is about one thing when really, you right. know, it's so about so that's, my, that's different than how people who talk about gaslighting would define right. it. I am but actually, yes. I'm actually moving. I'm, you know, yeah, I see kind of what you're saying, but I also find it hard to really, for that very reason, I couldn't come to somebody and say, well, your experience is totally invalid. Mm-hmm. I have no way of knowing. Are you a mental head case? Was I even there? Was my experience the same as yours? I don't know. I'm in yeah. no position to the, say your the experience. Challenge, is... The challenge is how do we take a collective experience? I can't even remember why I brought up gaslighting. But the challenge, I asked you what it meant. I know, but why did I bring it up in the first place before that? Why did I mention it? A lot it? of people were on Facebook, spend their whole time on social media, like gaslighting or feeling like they're being oh. gaslighted or. Anyway, the, I mean, the challenge, I'll just wrap that up by saying the challenge is. <laughs> You know, how do we take a collective experience and turn it into prescriptive policy? I don't think you can. You know? Well, can you? I mean, somehow we have to. Somehow the nation, which, you know, I, you know to be I honest, don't... I'm, I'm, I'm not hopeful for our nation at this point. No, I don't think you can We're because as long, as long as there's a sinful heart in, in humanity... You're gonna have evil people, and you're gonna have selfish people, and power play people, and people going after motives that are not considered of the other person. So I don't like on that level. I don't. You'd have to somehow legislate, you know, legislate a Christianity that not everybody's gonna take to. Especially legislate, not right now. yeah. No, it's just it's not gonna happen. You know, so I don't see it happening. You can give all the laws you want today. And it's not going to solve the problems. You're going to have new problems in five or ten years. And everybody's looking to the government to be their savior. And you, they can't. The government mm. can't be your savior. You know? People who are grieving and mourning well, the loss not only, of their... Well, not only like, can the, your heads out of your butts. Not only can the government, government not be your savior, though. Nothing but Jesus can be your savior. It's true. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, I think that's a huge problem in our culture right now is we're so post-Christian that people don't recognize 
religious yearnings and religious impulses in themselves. Um, and so they would categorize themselves as nuns, as in they have mm-hmm. no religion. But if you listen to their language, um, they have rituals of repentance. Um, they have uh, they have parameters under which you can receive forgiveness. They have definitions of what is holy, what saves you, what would heaven be like, or what would not, you know, they're not using the word heaven, but in their minds, like, what are we, what are we aspiring to in an ideal world? And, um, and so all of those qualify as religion. And we're now at 40 minutes, so I don't really want to go on my rant because I think it would take us past that. If you... But it does actually, actually I will. Okay. Briefly, you know, we're, we're starting, we're starting back up in small group this week and we're studying in small group, we're studying first and second Peter and Jude. And that's precisely one of the things that we're discussing is, is keeping Christ central in massively socially, culturally uncertain times mm-hmm. you know, as the underdogs. So I think it's going to be really relevant. I'm kind hmm. of excited to, to study that. Cool. Moving on to your rant. Well, I, I mean, it's not so much a rant, but a couple of weeks ago, our pastor was preaching on the beginning of Acts, and he was talking about, you know, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. And he said, you know, the question is not, are you a witness? Because you are a witness to, to something, and you have a witness. But the question is, what does your witness look like? What do your words in your life communicate to the people around you? And I'm not sure if something he said triggered this or if I just went off on my own on this. But I started thinking about Andrew Peterson's song, Is He Worthy? And how I've always I've always listened to it as a Christian song and as a Christian yearning for heaven and for the righting of wrongs. And um, the as now I'm trying to think what the Sally Lloyd-Jones and the Jesus Storybook Bible, making all the sad things come untrue. Like I've always listened to that song as looking forward to the sad things coming untrue. Um, but I started thinking about it in terms of evangelism because there's so many people in the world who can say we do to the first questions of his song. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Um, do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But they can't say we do to, but do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from coming through? Um, I mean, it, it, humanists would say we do, but they don't have a sure hope of that. And that's because they don't have the answers to is anyone worthy? Is anyone holy? Is anyone able to open the scroll? Because they don't have an answer, the answer of Jesus to the fact that there is one who is worthy, they don't have a sure hope that all the dark won't keep the light from shining through. And so they want to believe that. But if you look at the cultural freakout over Ruth Bader Ginsburg dying, um, there are a lot of people who saw her as worthy. And yet she's a, she's an incredible woman. I've actually been doing a lot of studying on her life and things that she's accomplished. Um, and worthy of esteem and worthy of emulation, but she's not worthy of saving you. Um, And neither would her replacement be, no matter who appoints her replacement. 
And, you know, you know, <laughs> when, when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Or when you're a two-year-old with a drumstick, everything looks like a drum. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think because I was interpreting the world through thinking of the is anyone worthy framework for the next couple of weeks, I was just seeing that everywhere where um, our tendency in... It's really interesting. I see so many, both conservatives and liberals right now, railing against the two-party system because we don't have good options this election cycle, right? Wouldn't it be lovely to actually have a viable third option, not like a I vote libertarian as a, you know, which we both didn't vote for any of the main candidates in the last cycle because there was no one worthy. And that's the thing. Like, we look at this election cycle and we feel hopeless because it is so painfully obvious that neither of them is worthy. They're not worthy of being president, in my humble opinion, let alone worthy of of what we have invested global leaders with in terms of our, you know, so John Calvin says that we all have idol factories in our hearts and we have is it calvin who says we have a god-shaped hole in our heart no that was augustine was it you just studied augustine didn't you yeah i think it was augustine who says we have a god-shaped vacuum no you have the way better man i'm terrible anyway some dude who lived sometime between calvin and augustine some dead guy maybe going up to bob dylan who says you got to worship somebody So sometime between sometime between Jesus and Bob Dylan. Let's just cover the whole. <laughs> Please, if you're listening, if you've made it this far, forty five minutes and forty five seconds in, and you know who said we have a God shaped hole in our heart? Was it Pascal? Awesome. No. I'm gonna totally Google this now because it's gonna drive me nuts. Anyway, I somebody just said read, somebody just posted it. The somebody other day said the we quote. have a God shaped hole in our hearts. Okay, yes, it's true. We also have. Going with that, I think going back to my is he worthy, we have a a savior-shaped hole in our hearts. And we are on the constant, our hearts are constantly, now this is Augustine, I'm sure, unless it's not. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. I'm sure that's Augustine. Anyway, um, did you know, I had a friend in seminary tell me, and I actually found it to be very true in my experience, women process things like theology in terms of ideas and impressions and men are like well this person said this on this day like i can't like, do that I'm i know you, i know you can't guy. but i know you can't but in seminary like for right. the most part like my classmates would be like well carl bart said this and i'd be like well some guy said this see that's me so anyway some guy said and i'm gonna mash it all together now our hearts are restless because we we have an innate desire to find someone who is worthy to be a savior, to save, to fix, to heal the brokenness that we're experiencing. And um, I think there's a lot of hurt and fear in our world right now because it's so obvious how unworthy all of the options ahead of us, not just, you know, not just our two presidential options. But if you scan the whole barometer, I mean, Tim Keller's on this like Twitter posting rage right now and people either love what he's posting or they hate what he's posting. Okay. 
and I'm not I'm not gonna go either here nor there with what he's saying. But the thing is, is the amount of energy that people have vested in Tim Keller's worthiness is outsized. Mm. Um, I think that, and we've discussed this a little bit too. I think that the amount of worthiness that we expect from our pastors of our local churches is our our idolatry of expecting so much of our pastors is being exposed at least for me um i might project and speak for a handful of other people in my church at least if not many of you dear listeners as well um but but we expect so much of our pastors because they're they're standing up higher they're in a pulpit they're giving us god's word they're representatives of christ to us in very in real ways um but they're not worthy in the way that christ is of being the savior who promises us that all the dark can't keep the light from shining through he they they they're not whole and they don't heal and make us whole and i've just been so then i'm listening to the book of jude i'm listening to jackie hill perry um and she's talking about leaders in the church that lead astray deliberately and she's in you know in the gospels they talk about about it is wolf in sheep's clothing and she mm-hmm. references that but in the book of jude she's like these are their these are their elders these are their friends and they trust them and they've been in the church and they're leading them astray and and, and you know jude is issuing this deep warning and i'm just having this like is he worthy you know connection going on in my head that yes we we are easily led astray because our hearts are just constantly scanning the landscape, looking for someone who can heal us and who can make us whole. And even, even when we're constantly working to fix our identity in Christ, um, we're still so subject to the idolatry of other leaders um, whether it's political or religious or fill in the blank, you know, diet, exercise, whatever, um, whether we're consciously religious or not, that's happening very obviously to me anyway in our country right now. And um, so, yeah, it just cast the the song, Is He Worthy, into a different light for me. And, you know, when Jesus looks at the masses and he sees that there's like a sheep without a shepherd, there's just so many people in our world right now that um, just are opposed to hearing that there is someone who is worthy and his name is Jesus, (laughs) but they really need to hear it. I get so tired of getting beat up when I tell them about it that I just kind of stop. means like, yeah, like I, 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 I want them to have the same, I want them to know the same savior that we know, to know the same, you know, have the same hope we do that we can look at the world from the outside and become a jaded, cynical, social hermit like myself now, but still have the desire to reach out and share that, share that saviness with other people. And it's just like, I, you know, you go to that and people just like look at you sideways or they mock you. You know, one of my friends said he, uh, he got mocked pretty heavily at work by his employees as he apologized to them. You know, and they're like, oh, Christian, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, I just, I'm so tired. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, 
it's, I, you know, I don't have that desire anymore like I used to. It's gone. I don't know where it went. But. Well, I, depending, you know, I think we all have different giftings and desires for telling people about Jesus. But the fact is, we can't stop demonstrating with our lives that we believe there's someone who is worthy and who heals. Yeah. I'm more of a, yeah. Well, you're right. I'm glad you did. You decided to go on that rant. Rant just. <laughs> How'd you get it off my and chest? It tied. It tied. It tied the whole show together really well. I keep listening to these episodes. Each episode, thinking to myself, someone's gonna listen. This is gonna blow up. And it never, <laughs> it never does. Well, that's not. Maybe that's not our purpose. Maybe our purpose right. is just to have good conversations you know. that help us process things. Yeah. Yeah, we need a lot of more processing, a lot more Jesus. Uh, speaking of, you know, speaking of becoming famous, I just want to like give a shout out to our friends in Texas who have been texting us after every episode. <laughs> and it's awesome. It's great. Keep it up. If you do want to respond to us after every episode and you have our numbers, send um, us a text. You're going to drive yourself nuts editing this with your tapping. Shoot us. Sorry, I'm fiddling with a knife. Um, shoot us an email. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Leave us a comment. Uh, you can even uh, post up on the YouTube if channel. You, Facebook? You could. Do you follow comments on YouTube? I don't follow. I check about once a week when I go on. Okay. Because we don't have Because you can also text YouTube. us. And if you don't know us. I'm not my phone number on the phone. Oh, well, the I'm show. not either. But if you message us and you're like, I'd like to text you, I'd give you my phone number. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I do have a Google number if you want to text it. Um. I can throw it away at whim. You know, I used an app for a while called Burner that I could just, because a lot of those sites would want your phone number. I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. not going to give you my phone number. I want to keep my phone number private. And you could generate a Burner number that would only work once. You Boom. know what? Poof. If somebody has now listened to us for 53 minutes and 49 seconds, is at the point of saying, I want their phone number? I'd consider it. Cool. <laughs> Prove you're not a bot. Cool. And I'll give you my phone number. <laughs> Send me whiskey. Uh, that too. I'll even give you our address for whiskey, <laughs> or at least our PO box. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. We love you. If you made it this far, you guys are awesome. Um, I am this week. Uh, my plan is to actually finish that "People Are Weird and Hard" shirt and actually put that up in our store. So if you haven't checked out the store, we do have some too busy to flush items uh, at too busy to flush tb2f.com. Wait, As- should we add "People Are Weird and Hard" but Jesus saves? Just kidding. <laughs> I, was, I just wanted to Jesus juke you. Yeah. Uh, is he worthy? Great idea. Great thought you had going on there. Not the other one. Not the t-shirt one. <laughs> um, too busy to flush.com. Like us. Review us on, your, on iTunes, on your favorite podcast player. Um, share us with your friends. And as always, um, thank you. And I uh, don't Have a good week. Yep, have a good week.